Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. So, the title of my teaching today is SUV. SUV. What is SUV? Sport utility vehicle. But that's not my own. My own is spiritually energized utility vehicle. Spiritually energized utility vehicle. SUV. That's what we're teaching on today. SUV. SUV. Spiritually energized. Spiritually energized being a compound word. Spiritually energized. Spiritually energized utility vehicle. So what is this SUV we're talking about? Isaiah chapter 55. I'll need you to follow me closely because predominantly this should be a teaching. Isaiah chapter 55. Let's start from verse 8. Amen. I like this. Please. I'm inviting you to a revelational room. So leave this space. Leave Cedar Center. And come with me into the space I'm inviting you into. Do you understand? So Isaiah chapter 55 verse 8. The Bible says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. And it says, Neither are my ways your ways, says the Lord. My thoughts are not your thoughts. And because of that factor, my ways cannot be your ways. Because the thoughts of God produce the ways of God. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, says the Lord. And then, you see, it would have been interesting if you only said that they are different. That would have been interesting enough. But it goes far to explain that they're not just different in terms of opinions. For example, my opinion about something may be different from Alex's opinion of that thing. And so it's okay to say, my opinion of something is different from Alex's opinion of that thing. And it would be okay. But you see, God didn't just explain the difference between our thoughts and his thoughts, our ways and his ways. He explains which one is superior. It's one thing for me to say, my thought is different from Alex's thought. But it's another thing to say, my thought is superior to Alex's thought. That means when my thoughts and Alex's thoughts clash, one thought must submit. They are not just different. It's superior. They're not just different and the same in capacity, no. They are different, one is inferior to the other. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Then he begins to try to explain to us the divergence between his thoughts and our thoughts. He says, as the heavens are far above the earth, that is how my thoughts and your thoughts relate. That is the relative distance between my thoughts and your thoughts. And in the same vein, that is the inferiority between your ways and my ways. That is how far away your ways are from mine. And so, apparently, which one is heaven of the two thoughts? It's God's thoughts that is like heaven. Because it's using the illustration of the heavens and the earth to explain the divergence between his thoughts and our thoughts. So he says, his thoughts are not your thoughts. His ways are not your ways. And then perhaps we're still trying to figure out what kind of difference is he talking about. He uses something that differs in not just distance, but in superiority. Heaven and earth. Heaven is superior to earth. And it's very far from earth, isn't it? 
And so he says, the way the heavens are far away from the earth. That is how divergent my thoughts are from your thoughts and my ways from your ways. Please follow me closely. There are several kinds of heavens. Some say there are four dispensations of heaven. Some others say there are seven kinds of heavens. But that's not the core of my teaching today. One of those heavens has the Milky Way, right? The galaxies and all of that. The orbits, the massive constellations in the atmosphere. And one of the most visible of such constellation is the sun, isn't it? The sun. The Bible even talks about this particular star, because the sun is also a star. In 1 Corinthians 15, I believe verse 14, he says that there are bodies terrestrial and that there are bodies celestial, but that the glory of the terrestrial is one, and the glory of the celestial is another. He says there is the glory of the sun, and there is the glory of the moon, and there is the glory of the star. Each differing in glory. In the same way, the glory of God's thoughts and the glory of your thoughts, ah, they're very divergent. Very divergent. Very different. So he says, the way the heavens are far above the earth, that is how divergent my thoughts are from your thoughts. And let's just use the sun, for example. The sun is at least 93 million miles away from the earth, which is approximately about 150 million kilometers away from the earth and so this is one of the bodies in heaven so you can understand that if your thought is here in Yaba the thoughts of God perhaps because the sun is one of the least part of the least heavens which God's heaven is higher than but this is one of the heavens that we can use as inference and so if God's thought perhaps at the least is the sun your thought is here in Yaba the distance between his thoughts and your thoughts is 93 million miles or approximately 150 million kilometers from your thoughts. Let me just give you an idea of how far that is. That means if the sun emits a ray of heat from the sun, you see, traveling at a ridiculous speed of 300,000 kilometers per second, not per hour, per second, 300,000 kilometers per second, it will take 8 seconds before that heat would heat your skin. 8 seconds. You know what that means? That means if I put a Ferrari on the sun, a Ferrari, assuming that Ferrari is traveling at the speed of 200 kilometers per hour, if I put a Ferrari on the sun and say, go to the earth now, it will arrive the earth next year, August. You didn't get that? A Ferrari traveling at 200 kilometers per hour will get to the earth a year and five months later. If it doesn't even break, if it doesn't stop, if it doesn't slow down, it will take it one year, five months for it to now land on earth. To give you an idea of the divergence between the heavens and the earth and the quality of the thoughts of God and the quality of your thoughts. It's like comparing gold to sand. The divergence is too much. The relative difference is too, it's too, it's too high. The magnitude of difference is too much. And I like the fact that God is saying this thing because he knows the difference. But he's trying to upgrade 
you to come to his level. So he says, my thoughts, let's begin from trying to explain to you that my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways because my ways are produced by my thoughts. And your ways are also produced by your thoughts. This is why you're not getting the results that my ways predicted for you. Because you are following your thoughts to produce your ways. Psalms 92 verse 5. Bible says, Oh God, how great are thy works. Thy thoughts are very deep. The greatness of God's works is a direct function of his deep thoughts. The quality of his thoughts is what produces the quality of his works. If you want to upgrade the quality of your works, you only need to upgrade the quality of your thoughts. Ah. So he says, the way the heavens are far above the earth. And this is why the children of Israel were so different from Moses. Moses was like a superstar because he related with a quality of thoughts that was different from their own level. That was why Bible says in Psalm 103 verse 7 or 5, it says that God revealed his acts to the children of Israel. That was the level they could relate with. But his own ways he showed to Moses. And how he showed Moses his ways was by exposing to Moses his thoughts. Because his thoughts produce his ways. So he says, as the heavens are far above the earth, that is how divergent. My ways are from your ways and my thoughts from your thoughts. And then he goes further to begin to explain a kind of analogy, a kind of, you know, illustration. He says, the way the heavens releases rain and snow. Please don't miss me here. He says, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and makes it to bring forth and to bud. He says that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. He says, so shall my word be that proceeds forth out of my mouth. It does not return to me void. It accomplishes that which I please. And what it prospers in the thing whereunto I sent it. There is nothing more targeted in all of God's economy than the word of God. He says he goes straight to the exact thing I ordained it to hit, and it hits it. He doesn't come back with excuses and void. He comes back with results, the word. So, but before we get into that, let's go to verse 11. Oh, verse 10. He says, as the rain comes from heaven and snow, and comes down and waters the earth, and causes it to bud and to bring forth, he says, so that it can produce seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Mm-mm. Listen to this. The earth is without opportunity. The earth is without the chance to produce after the ordained script. That is, the earth cannot produce all that the Lord has incubated in itself to produce. The earth cannot fulfill its potential until there is an invasion of heaven on that earth. It means that, you see, that earth could not produce the seed. It could not produce the bread because rain had not come, snow had not come. Remember in Genesis, Bible says that the earth had not started bringing forth fruit because God had not caused it to rain. It means that the earth is eternally dependent on the invasion of heaven so that its purpose can be fulfilled. Because the purpose of the earth is to give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. But the earth cannot do 
that if heaven is not allowed invasion, if heaven is not allowed access into earth, the earth cannot fulfill its purpose of giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. The sower will die without seed. The eater will die without bread if the earth does not allow access of heaven. The earth is eternally dependent on the invasion of heaven. And the factors that heaven supplies is called rain and snow. And they don't go back with excuse. They give it to the earth. The earth receives it. And then its purpose can be unleashed. Genesis chapter 8 of verse 22. The Bible says that for as long as the earth remained, a protocol was set in motion. A protocol of how the earth must function. Seed, time, harvest. But that is an impossibility without the rain and the snow. There are possibilities in your heart. There are possibilities in your spirit. There are possibilities in your purpose, in your destiny that can never come into fruition until you allow the invasion of heaven. Until you allow the heavens invade your earth. Because you see, your earth is inferior. Ah. It is. It has to submit to the factors of heaven. And he uses this as an illustration to explain the divergence between his thoughts and your thoughts. His ways and your ways. He says, the way the heavens are far above the earth, that is how far apart my thoughts are from your thoughts. And in essence, my ways from your ways. The heaven is really far from the earth. The sun, which is one of the closest things in the heavens, is 93 million miles far from the earth. That is how divergent your thoughts and his thoughts are. However, the thoughts of God is the only thing that gives you the opportunity to fulfill your purpose. How do you bring it down? How do you marry and enter into that communion with the thoughts of God? of heaven on earth for purpose to be birthed and released because that you are full of potential is no question the earth is full of stuff put a seed in the ground at some point it will produce back a bunch where did the bunch come from the earth has capacity to multiply but that earth cannot do that until rain and snow it has to interact with factors from heaven you need to interact with the thoughts of God. The thoughts of God are his vehicles. The thoughts of God are the spiritually energized utility vehicles that carry you from where you are to where he ordained for you to be. The thoughts of God. So now let's go to Jeremiah 29 verse 11, which is a popular scripture when it comes to purpose, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. He says, I know. I know it. But the person I know it about does not even know. I know the thoughts. The thoughts 
that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To bring you into an expected end. To give you a future and a hope. That is, these thoughts have the capacity to convey, to carry, to transport, to transit, to elevate, to carry along these thoughts. These thoughts. They have a way of carrying you from where you are to where you need to be. Listen, no matter how much you love yourself, your thoughts about your own success are inferior to God's thoughts about your success. Mm. That is, whenever you are done with all your projections and plans about your life and all the things you want to achieve, when you put it side by side with God's thoughts concerning you, it doesn't match. It's almost like an insult to God's ingenuity. Like, really, I have these thoughts towards you, but you want to stick to your own kind of thought, your own level of thinking. You remember the Ferrari story? That is how divergent the quality of what you can produce from all the love you have for yourself, from all the love and all the things you want to achieve in this life, all the powerful things. You want to go to Bahamas, you want to be the nice big thing in Nigeria, you want to be the richest black man I ever lived, and all those massive things. It is still an insult to the thoughts God has towards you. 93 million miles away, thank you, sir. 93 million miles away from the quality of God's thoughts and his rebel thinking. He says he knows the thoughts he has towards you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to bring you, to give you an expected end. So the real challenge for the believer is how do I make his thoughts that he knows concerning me, my thoughts that I know concerning me, how do I ensure that his thoughts concerning me have become my thoughts concerning me? Because that he knows that it is his will for you to have peace and get to an expected end does not automatically translate that you would have the expected end. Until you make what he knows about your future what you know about your future. That is what will bring you into an expected end. It's like when the boss is going to your expected end. A boss is going to your expected end. You must join the boss to enter the end. The thought is going anyway. The thoughts of God are going to an expected end, an ordained destination, a predetermined end. But you must join that boss, enter to that boss, feel that boss, and then you get to the end that the boss was designated to get to. When we're teaching on before, that before, what were you in that before? What were you there? Because we know you were not a body. You were not a person. You didn't have a personality type. You didn't have your height. You didn't have your face. How did God recognize you? You were a body of thoughts. <laughs> you were a body of thoughts. Psalms 139. <laughs> because you were not a body. You were not conceived yet. You didn't have a face. You didn't have beard gang. You didn't have afro. You were not yellow. You were not black. You were not. What were you? You were a body of thoughts. Verse 13. Awesome. I mean, let, let's read Gideon because this particular script of scriptures or verses are a bit complicated in Gideon. Let's go to NLT or NIV, whichever one. 
For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me when I was in my mother's womb. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Verse 14. I praise you because I am powerfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and that I know very well. Verse 15. It says, my frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Verse 16. It says, your eyes saw my unformed body. And the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. All the days ordained for me to live on earth were written in your book before any of them started to unfold. Verse 17. Mm. How precious to me are your thoughts. Oh God, how vast is the sum of them. You were a collection of thoughts in that realm. You were a body of thoughts. You were a bundle of thoughts. So, you were a thought in the realm called before. You were sent into time, and in time, there needs a body for that body of thoughts to function. Because purpose in that realm was a body of thoughts. Now that you are in the time realm, that body of thoughts needs to get a body so that it can function on earth. However, that body cannot reconnect to the purpose until it fast tracks or gets or extrapolates or brings to bear the thoughts that God had in the beginning concerning that purpose and begins to merge it with itself until you carry those thoughts that God had concerning you and place it in your own heart you can't fulfill it because like I said the heavens come to the earth and the earth is dependent on the factors that the heavens bring so that the earth can produce after the kind that it was ordained to produce and so your life being the earth far away from the heavens cannot in essence move in the direction of fulfillment of purpose and destiny until it receives the invasion of the thoughts of God at the level of God at the level of God Amen. Amen. Do you understand what I just said? Yes, sir. <laughs> Are we still together? Yes, sir. Sorry, this is, like I said, it's, it's a little bit more of a teaching. Huh? And like I said, it, <laughs> the only posture your thoughts must have to the thoughts of God is submission, not resistance. something in Jeremiah 29. It's a pretty interesting scripture. So that you would understand that you are the last person you should believe concerning you. Uh, yeah, you are the last. You are the most unreliable source of information for your life. Yeah. You didn't get that. You know, you, you like to lean on your understanding to understand yourself, but you don't have the understanding that your life requires. You don't have it. That's what the Bible says, don't lean on your own understanding, it will break. Your understanding does not have the capacity to carry the weight of your destiny. Your understanding will break from the pressure of the weight of your destiny. 
only the quality of thoughts that God spans out can sustain the gravity of your destiny. Where is Jeremiah again? Hasn't he relocated to after Genesis? <laughs> Pastor Mike, help me, sir. Where again is Jeremiah? Is it before Nahum? <laughs> How many of you know that Nahum is a is a book of the Bible? It's not a it's not an exclamation. <laughs> Nahum. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 29. Listen to this, verse 8. He says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams, which ye cause to be dreamed. Because they are divergent to verse 10 or to verse 11, the thoughts that he has for you. Sometimes, are you hearing what I'm saying? God is instructing the children of Israel. He's saying, guys, you are the last person that must believe yourself concerning anything that's good with your life. Stop believing your own dreams. Ah, I remember in those days. In the ask, what do you want to be in the future? I said, I want to be child soluble. The next child soluble. That's my dream. How many of us had dreams of becoming pilots? I'm becoming astronauts. I'm becoming Chief Daddy. I thought I had Chief Daddy. Praise God. He says, don't let your prophets and your diviners. Don't let people switch talk you into carrying a vision that is not ordained from before. It says, don't let your prophets and diviners, and that can be equivalent, you know, to motivational speakers. And that's not to say that they don't have any contribution, but they are not to be relied on. And don't even let your dreams be the one to channel your energy. It says, neither hearken to your own dreams that you cost to be dreamed. Because the thoughts that God has for you is different from the dreams you are dreaming for yourself. The thoughts you are thinking and the dreams you are dreaming are earth-to-scope. Compared to heaven's thoughts concerning you. Do you understand? Your thoughts towards yourself are your thoughts. But the Bible says they are not his thoughts. They are not his thoughts. He knows his thoughts towards you. They are not the dreams that you are dreaming, that you are causing to be dreamed. Because the social media that is providing the platform for that dream, it is the person you have seen that has blown, that has given you a platform, a framework to build your own life after. It is someone that you saw that has lived his life and you think you like what he lived. That has provided the template for you to follow after. No! It says that I know the thoughts that I have towards you. I know it. But will you join me to know it? Can we know it together? That's the real challenge here. It's a real challenge. And so he now begins to say that. So let's go to verse 11 of Isaiah chapter 55. So that you would understand the... The way these thoughts can be crystallized in your heart. <laughs> Amen. Are we still on the same page? Yes, sir. So he says, the, the framework of invading the earth with snow and the rain so that the earth can bring forth 
tax that you not come with some returns. Because like the verse 11 says, that word does not return to him for it. It accomplishes what the speaker pleases. And it prospers in that thing whereunto it is sent. And concerning every single one of us, we were thoughts in his heart that were spoken forth in eternity. There are word equivalents of those thoughts that if you catch them in your spirit, you are going in the exact same direction with that word. So you see that reading your Bible is not a religious matter, it's a destiny matter. It's not a devotional matter. It's not a matter of have you read the Bible today? Hey! Have you gone for a course correction today? Have you joined up with that word today? Have you entered the plane today? Because the Prospers in that thing 
if I triumph with that word concerning my life, I will accomplish what he pleases and I will prosper in that which I was sent. Simple. I join up with his word. Because once I receive that word into my spirit, all the capacities of the earth, the seeds that I earlier, the seeds that I was ordained to give seeds, the seeds that I was ordained to give sowers, and the bread I was ordained to give eaters will begin to burst forth. All my potential will begin to burst forth. Everything God has ordained me to become will begin to find expression because the word has come. The rain has come. The snow has come. The earth has no excuse anymore. It must fulfill purpose. It must release its potential. It must. It must. If all you do as a matter of purpose connection is read your Bible, you have done well. You are doing well. Isn't it? You are doing well. If all you are doing is to read your Bible with respect to fulfilling your destiny, you didn't go for any personality test. You didn't go anywhere to go and try to destroy yourself. All you are doing is reading your Bible. You cannot miss purpose. You can't. That's what ensures that you enter into that thing God ordained for you. The word. The word is not. You don't read the Bible religiously. You read your Bible if you want your life to matter. If you want your purpose to be fulfilled. That's why you read your Bible. That's why. Because everything is about him. We are subsets of him. He's the first begotten from the dead. We are after begotten. We are co-begotten. We are co-heirs. So if you want to enter into your destiny, take your Bible reading and Bible study very seriously. Interact with the logos of God. Listen to this. Christ is the curriculum for God's thinking patterns. Christ is the curriculum for God's thinking pattern. Christ is called the Logos. The software of God's thinking is Christ. And Christ is called the Word. So when I connect with that software, I have the capacity to believe the kind of thoughts that will begin to invade my heart. The reason why you are scared of doing what God has ordained for you to do is because you are not connected with His thinking frequency. When He tells you to do something, you are too scared to take steps. Because you are too afraid, you are not connected with the the software of God at the level of God's word. 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 When you interact with God's word at that level, it will produce three things. That's how I that's what I would end this teaching today. It will produce three things. The first thing it will produce is fearlessness. Pastor Timmy touched on that on Thursday. You will lose fear. You will lose fear. Because when the word of God interacts with your tabernacles. Are you still with me? When the thoughts of God wrapped up in codes and templates of his word. When they enter into your heart, they upgrade your thinking pattern. They They just continue to upgrade you. And they begin to do cost correction, cost correction, upgrade you, upgrade you. So that when instructions of faith come, you have the capacity to execute. So the first thing it will destroy in your life is fear. The software of God is not compatible with fear. And the grand fear is the fear of death. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. For as much as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he 
same so that it can destroy him that has the power of death that is the devil and thereby thereby save free deliver those who all their lives have been in bondage to fear that means fear and purpose fulfillment are diverted you cannot fulfill your purpose without freedom from that is the software of God encapsulated in his word. He says if you continue in my word, if you will continue in this word, and allow this word to change your mindset, change your thinking patterns, change your attitude, you will come in contact with the truth, and the truth will break every shackles that the devil has placed on your life, starting with fear. John chapter 8 verse 31 and 32. Starting with fear, it will destroy the whole of fear. The number one fear is death. Fear of death. And it manifests in three ways. Three H's. Fear of hurt, fear of harm, and fear of hunger. How many of us are scared of hunger? That's why you go nine to five every day, doing stuff, doing stuff every day because of the fear of hunger. If I stop this work, what will I eat? How will I be clothed? Where will, where will I sleep? What will, what will sustain my body? Remember! Remember! The opposite side of destiny is comfort. Remember that. So what that software will do is to break the hold of fear so that you will do only what God ordained for you to do without having fear for its consequences. Because fear has a crippling effect. You cannot be feeling purpose and be fearful at the same time. You can't. It's not possible. So it has a crippling effect. Guess what it does? It discounts the possibilities wrapped up in your destiny and magnifies in the risks inherent in your human thinking. It, it, it discounts. It reduces. It, it, it zooms off. It, it just reduces and discounts the possibilities in your destiny. It does not put the possibilities in your destiny in front of you. It puts the risks inherent in your human thinking. If you go in that little purpose, it puts the risks consequence in front of you so that you will not be willing and able and energized to flow along the path of perils. And it magnifies it in hurt, in harm, and with hunger. All my parents say, I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want my parents to think that I'm not fine. I don't want my parents to think that I've gone mad. Oh, harm. I don't want to go to the place God has ordained me to go because I could die if I go there. They could harm my body. Remember when Agabus came and said, Whose candle is this? Whose candle is this? This is the candle of the man. That if you go to Jerusalem, you will be bound. Paul said, That's me now. Are you ready to die? I have lost the fear of death. Because with purpose, fear is not compatible. It's not. And what that software does, it upgrades your mind to break the shackles of fear. Fear of hurt, fear of harm, fear of hunger. If we perish, we perish. That's the language of purpose. So my wife told me to be clean my sweat more from whenever I preach. Babe. <laughs> Fearlessness. 
success is the first thing it produces. You will lose fear for death, for hurt, for harm, for hunger. When Paul was giving out his CV, they had, he had two CVs. He had one in Philippians 3. Hebrew of Hebrews, Benjamites, Pharisee of the Pharisees, and all of those things. He had another CV talking about necessities, hungers, fastings. Often, 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 often. Hunger, often. Yes, often. Because you see, that's one thing purpose will kill in you the fear of death, which manifests in hurt, in harm, and in hunger. To kill it. And how do you ensure that you are no longer afraid? It's by swallowing another kind of fear. It's called the fear of God. Every fear has a fear. Every fear has a fear. Every fear. And the, uh, the fear that swallows all kinds of fear is the fear of God. I found the scripture several years ago. It just got me so excited. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26. Let me show you together. Let's, let's, let's delve into this. Proverbs 14, 26. Hey, can you shout? Come on. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. <laughs> come on, come on. How can confidence and fear be in the same sentence? In the fear of the Lord. There is strong confidence. Strong. Not the ordinary confidence. This is the only kind of fear that produces confidence. It's the only kind of fear that produces boldness. It's the only kind of fear that produces unrestrained assurance. Unfettered authority. It's this kind of fear. This kind of fear. The fear of the Lord. When you swallow that fear, that fear does not have roommates. It cannot accommodate another squatter. It comes and it takes hold of your entire life. Nothing, no other kind of fear can be accommodated with the fear of God. No other kind of fear. You cannot fear God and fear man at the same time. This is why the language of purpose is fearlessness. Go check out those that fulfill purpose to the letter. They were fearless guys. They will look at Nebuchadnezzar and say, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. When it comes to God, he's the only one that deserves our fear. Not you. We don't care how angry you get. Inflame the entire forest seven times more. We will not fear still. Because Matthew chapter 10 verse 28 is a protocol we follow. Let's go there. Matthew chapter 10 verse 28. It says, listen, fear not them which kill the body. Listen, your purpose indeed has no body. Your body was only a tool used by your purpose to, work, to exist on earth. So you cannot be living on earth on the terms of the body. You have to live on earth on the terms of the purpose. And that purpose is not scared of death because it was never birthed. It's your purpose that was birthed. Or rather, it's your body that was birthed. It's your body that has a conception date. Your purpose was there before. We are not scared. The best you can do is kill my body. There is a part of my life you have no hold on. You have no access to. It's my purpose. You have no access to it. It's fearlessness. He says, but fear him. Which is able to destroy the soul and the body in hell. That is the one to be feared. So when you see someone that is scared of everybody. His boss is coming. He's capering. 
I can lose my job. You have not entered this. Lose your job. That's just that's that's the kindergarten level. Yeah. Kindergarten. Ah. Because of bubbles, you lose your job and you're scared. Ah. You are just growing. You are just getting there. You will lose all kinds of fears on this lane of purpose. You will lose it. Peter told the council of elders, we respect you, but we don't fear you, sir. We cannot stop to speak of the things we have heard. We cannot stop. The things we have heard and understood and have seen with our eyes, we cannot stop. Beat us from now till next till whenever. We will continue to preach this gospel. And they went back to their company. And when they prayed, oh, glory to God. God, get them boldness. And with boldness, the apostles gave witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them all. Acts 4, 33. Boldness is at the other end of fearlessness. Praise God. So the fulfillment of your destiny is what you find when you enter into fearlessness. You can't be fearful and be fulfilling destiny at the same time. But you cannot also enter into fearlessness if you don't interact with the soft. The Lord removed the fear. They beat him until he almost died and he stood up and continued preaching. No fear of anything. But you are too scared to fulfill your You are too scared to go to where God has sent you. You are too scared to take on the job he has told you to take on. You are too scared to only leave that job. You are too scared to start that business. You are too scared to do everything. So at the end of your days, you will come back to him void. Excuses. Excuses. Uh, my parents didn't tell me to. My father didn't allow me to. My friends lied. Fear must die. On the lane of purpose. You must die. Can't be fearful of fear at the same time. Don't drop that fear. Esther. Mordecai came and said, This is the reason you were brought here. Do you think you came to the palace to come and eat pizza? No! You were brought for such a time as this. If you stay quiet in that place, the destruction will get you in the palace. Don't think you'll be accepted. After that chat on Mordecai, she looked at her life and said, ah, What is this body? This body was necessary because of the purpose. So I was following the protocol of purpose. And on that protocol, fear is disarmed. So she said, If I perish, I perish. That is the language of purpose. She entered into the tabernacles of the king, something that nobody had done. But she did she perish? Because you can't kill purpose. Don't fear anybody that can kill your body. Hunger it can only kill your body. Harm can only kill your body. Hurt can only kill your body. But fear him that can destroy both the body and the soul in hell. That's the word to fear. When you fear him, you have strong confidence. You have no fear for anybody anymore. The second thing he produces, ah, I'll have to stop here. The second thing he produces is passion. Passion. You see the way I preach every Sunday? With passion. Passion is proof of the presence of purpose. Passion. Some of us, we only get passionate when money is involved. Ah, oh, I'm there. Ah, passion to my dick. Because money is there. What's in it for me? There's a gig. I am not five Fifty k power. Eh? Oh, yeah, now let's do it. Let's do it. Ah, let's do it. Passion one day. Because money is involved. Passion is proof of the presence of purpose. 
compassion is your terrestrial expression in response to a celestial visit. Uh, yes. Passion is the unrestrained excitement that produces energized results. Passion. 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 Passion is the side effect of interacting with the thoughts of God. Passion. It's a side effect. You cannot see God come back to the earth and you'll behave normally. You can't. Passion would take over your life. Passion. Passion would be too much. Something you should say back there. Passion for. Passion for. <laughs> because purpose is presence. Even if nobody is giving you anything, passion is there. Present. Because it is proof of the presence of purpose. Something bigger than life is inside me. And how you know that something bigger is inside is passion. You will see it. I like the way you call it. They call it eternal. Body must move. When passion is there. Passion. Have you found something you can die for? Have you found something you are passionate about? That is proof. That is purpose present. And that's one thing that thought will do in you. To create passion. You just be passionate. Oh, have you seen a man rebuild an angel before? That's passion. Gideon. He had fear, but he didn't, he didn't lose his passion. Because he was fearful. <laughs> he, he wanted to sit at the, at the threshing floor of the Midianites trying to just see what he can do. <laughs> but when the angel came and started talking to him about the man of valor, he rebuked the angel. Where is that God? Where is the God of our forefathers? Where is the God we read about in Genesis? Where is the God we read about in Leviticus and Numbers? Where is the God that, that we heard about from our father? Where is the God that part of the Red Sea? Where is that God? What did the angel say? Ah, is it going this time, might? This is the might I'm looking for. Passion. And you don't need me to anoint you. This passion is the mind. This passion. Have you seen somebody trying to sell you a product without passion before? Just buy it. It may work. It may not work. But let's believe together that it will work. Even if that's the best thing in the world, you just lose confidence. Have you seen someone that can sell anything with passion? My brother here is a salesman. He can sell anything. Anything. Passion Paul! Passion Paul! It's anything! This is the best water in the world. I know it's tasteless, but it's the most tasteless water. I know it's colorless, but it's the most colorless water. Water. It will package it for you because there's a passion. If you catch a purpose, the side effect is passion. But because somebody can discourage you out of it, it shows that it is not your purpose. You can be discouraged out of it. So many discouragements on this my path of ministry. Ah, so many discouragements. But passion is important. As I'm trying to be discouraged, passion will just carry me. Too much passion. I apologize. It's passion. But that's it. Passion is a necessary thing. It is what the thoughts of God would inject into your skin, into your body, into your blood vein, your bloodstream. Without money, you keep going. Without any encouragement from anybody, you still keep going. Nobody sent you a text after service. Great word, you keep going. Now, any messages I preach, nobody said anything. They only looked at you and gave you bones. I've gone somewhere, they pre- I preach a powerful message. Like I'm the hearing, so I'm done now. 
I don't think it was bones. Cold, strong bones. But if they stung you, something will happen to your head. It will bend. Bones say, ah! You can't eat anything after that thing for another two days. Bones, ordinary bones. So strong. It's not healthy. Very ridiculous. And then cold rice. Right on their boxes yesterday afternoon. And it was a video, so it spent at least 18 hours. No microwave, they gave it to me. This is the reward for your people. Well, did I get discouraged? Passion to put you. We have to continue this work. But you, any small thing, you are discouraged. Because there's no passion there. Purpose will destroy fear. It will destroy like a dicey attitude. When you are coming to church, come with your passion. Come with it. Don't come trying to wait for somebody to excite you. You are too excited about Jesus. Don't ever be ashamed of the passion you carry for Jesus. Never. Let it be pasted everywhere on your status. Everywhere on your social media platforms. Your passion should be so infectious and contagious. Because you're not afraid of anybody. You will use your life the way you want to use it. And you will use it to serve your king. That's what passion will do. You will will serve God passionately. Recklessly. The last thing I won't go into it. Just stop here for today. But do you understand what I'm saying? When you interact with God and with his word, it is an SUV. When you enter into it, it drives you in the direction of your purpose. It breaks the hold of fear. It breaks the hold of like a dysgalactic or mediocrity. And you enter into your destiny. Target it! Because that word has a designation on it. Something was programmed into the latitude, the longitude, and the coordinates were factored into it as it was spoken out of the man of God. If you join up with that word, you will hit the same target that word is set to hit. Rise to your feet. Father, we give you praise. word for more messages connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at powerpoint tribe